since we had an episode drop, so it really does feel great to be back. If you're tuned in for the very first time, then my name's Mira. I'm an ex-wedding planner, author, and creative director here at Now to Vow. I'm going to call this a somewhat bonus episode, which really ties in everything that we have brought to you in the first season. We spoke a lot about trends and relevant topics, which we thought really needed to be brought to the forefront of the wedding industry in season one of the business of weddings. So this final episode is about connecting with you guys, our suppliers, on the ground to understand how these episodes landed with you and whether or not they got you thinking or inspired you to change the way you approach your business based on what you heard. Now we had nine full episodes which you can go back to and listen to anytime as each of these topics is still very relevant today. We spoke about the secrets of successful sales, fusion weddings, grooms taking charge and so on just to name a few. In this episode We're not going to be able to cover them all as there were just far too many and I appreciate that you probably don't want to be here for a couple of hours. So we're going to focus on three of our most popular and most listened to episodes. In case you haven't heard them, they are in fact sustainability in the wedding industry, inspirations from India and Gen Z versus millennials. Joining me on this episode are three very special guests, each of them working in a different area of the wedding industry. You'll start by hearing from Minil Patel, a cake artist who runs Cakes by Minil, bridal artist Mandy Kaur who runs Aphrodite's Makeup Artists, and Mickey Shaw, owner of Soul Photography. So let's begin by touching on the first episode we ever recorded, which was in fact sustainability in the wedding industry. That's always been at the back of my mind anyway. So the last couple of years, I have been thinking about it. It just brought back some of those ideas that I had at the back of my mind, listening to the episode made me think, oh, yeah, I need to go back to doing this. I need to go back to do to thinking about local suppliers to see how a it can reduce the carbon footprint, but also just supporting the smaller businesses that are local to me and those who are also passionate about sustainability. It was interesting to know there are there are sustainable suppliers out there because I genuinely did not know there were any. And I always get a lot of uh, brides coming to me specifically because they want to have a sustainable wedding. They want to have eco-friendly, vegan, plant-based menus. They want to, uh, you know, they're going down that whole road of sustainability. And they, my brides specifically, come to me because of, of that, but they actually really, really struggle with finding other suppliers that align in the same way. Um, and I have to agree with them. Like, I, <laughs> I have to agree with them. I even struggle finding a, you know, sustainable decor, sustainable caterer, um, plant-based caterer, especially in the Indian, South Indian market. Um, there's some very big names out there that I won't mention <laughs> that still don't know the difference between vegan and vegetarian. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. And I honestly think these big players will fall off if they don't catch up because I have a lot of inquiries for brides that want that kind of wedding and it's fantastic that people are thinking more like this. People are looking at menus that are plant-based and everything and as a supplier yes I have had to adapt I have had to make sure that my cakes which are plant-based are still amazing you know um, and having that option available to be honest if I look at how many 
um, cakes I do make at the moment, a lot of them are veering towards just the vegetarian and the vegan side anyway. So the cakes that I do make with eggs are far in, in between, which for me is a plus sign because it's all important to me as well. For me, it's not it's not an industry thing. For me, it's 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 a whole lifestyle thing. Uh, as you know, I, I'm very much openly vegan, and everything about my the way I do things, from recycling to you know driving an electric car, etc. I, I I don't really want to have any impact on what's happening out there. From a business point of view, I offer a service that doesn't really have much wastage. The only time I would say that you know I really need to consider sustainability is my product which and my only product at the end of the day would be an out wedding album so one thing i i, I really sh- shout out to my co- uh, clients about is the fact that all my albums are vegan uh we don't use any leather um etc or we don't offer any leather uh even though our suppliers do and then you know other things like little little things like my camera my camera belt and all that uh, my harness and all that that's all vegan What's actually quite interesting here is that even as a photographer, Mickey has managed to find a way to make his business as sustainable as he can. And actually, when hearing from all three suppliers, it's very clear that when they talk about veganism or sustainability, it's a topic that is actually close to their heart on a personal level. And as we start to see new suppliers enter into the wedding industry, values like these are probably going to be more and more common and therefore may just be expected by potential clients. Now, I'm not claiming by any means that sustainability is at the forefront of every bride and groom's mind when they're planning their wedding. But what is interesting is that these suppliers are making it a point to share information and give couples a choice. Once couples understand the personal values of a particular supplier, if it aligns with their own, it's going to be a whole lot easier and quicker for the supplier to secure that sale. Because let's be honest, it's one of the most important days of their lives and couples are going to want to spend it surrounded by people who they generally like, who create a positive environment. We already learned in this season that Gen Z care more about the environment and they're not just looking for big brand names, they're looking for individuals who they trust, who they like. Therefore, by educating couples about sustainable practices, you would be putting yourself in a position where you definitely might be more attractive as an option as you're helping to build trust, transparency and also a genuine connection. Also talking to my clients when we're talking about sustainability is quite important it's a bit it's a little bit like education so when um i get a couple come to me and say oh you know we've got 300 guests to our wedding can i get a cake for 300 people it's actually then discussing about potential wastage you know and looking at are all the 300 guests going to be eating cake will they be having big slices if they've had a meal and dessert and starters and everything so it's it's educating them in terms of you know, how can we make sure that there's not going to be wastage because it just ends up in the bin effectively. So there's that thing. And then also looking at the side of a lot of the time I get inquiries for like fake tears, you know, can we have some fake tears and then slab cakes? And I'm like, okay, what's your logical, you know, what's your thinking behind wanting to do that? Um, and often the time is kind of like, oh, well, I think it's, it might be cheaper or they think that um, it's easier to cut. And I didn't go through the sort of explaining that fake tears are made out of styrofoam and they do take, you know, 200, potentially 200 years to biodegrade. So it's a question of educating them. 
if people in the industry know me, I'm very vocal about my <laughs> beliefs anyway. Um, but uh, if you're not looking for it, then you don't know. So I like to put it in front of them um, on purpose. So it gets you thinking, if anything, and if it makes a change for the positive and fantastic. If not, I've planted a seed at least. <laughs> so it gets you thinking. So, for example, one um, example I can give is uh, like red uh, carmine is found in red lipsticks. And red lipsticks are such a big thing in Indian weddings because red is the, the bridal color generally. So people often go for red lipsticks for their you know, outfit and their whole look. But had you have known there's crushed beetles in your lipstick, would you have made that same choice for that brand, for that particular lipstick? Some people now go for nude. Um, so it does get you thinking. And I feel like as a vegan and cruelty-free artist, and that's my niche, that is something I have to do. I have to do that. And it's important to me that people know that. I feel it, what what I need to do, even though I know what my what my brand is about, what my lifestyle is about, I need to bring the two together a bit more and make my business more about that. So I need to really shout out through social media through through my website etc that i am looking at you know being more eco aware more sustainable as a business etc um i feel that i only get that message across when i talk to people it's not there when they you know first come across my social media or my website so i need to put it more out there um towards the front so let's move on to another topic we focused on in this season which was all about inspirations from india This episode was about the things that are trending out there, the requests couples and their families are making and the changes wedding suppliers out there are seeing. From our research, it seems like a lot of what is happening out there isn't quite happening on the ground here. Now, there can be a variety of reasons for this. It could be that the culture is different out there, access to tools and resources is different, or simply that some of the elements may be developing quite differently. One thing, though, that the suppliers did pick up on here was the element of theming a wedding and how that relates to weddings here. You know, there was there was a section where they were talking about, um, I can't remember the lady's name, I do apologise, but she was talking about uh, how she's adapting to find this whole, you know, a lemon-themed and looking at olive branches and ivy and, you know, everything. And I thought, well, this is really, really good because this is kind of like what we do with the cakes as well. We look at what their theme is. We look at how they're doing the whole decor, you know, what's the main things that is important to the couple. And then I try and bring that into the whole cake idea so for example recently there was a a whole Gatsby style wedding you know theme which I adapted to the wedding cake for for the client obviously working with them quite closely with my ideas um, the feedback was absolutely fantastic they loved it I'm very used to couples um, in the UK picking out themes that are more uh, how do you say they're themed very differently they're more based around things like disney um <laughs> they're based around things like uh the gatsby theme uh, a hawaiian theme like they it, i don't want to say fancy dress but they kind of people like to have themes attached to their wedding so it's different it's not just a typical indian wedding um so i i personally don't think i have too much to say about the abroad ones with their inspirations and their themes because i haven't seen so much of that on that side but in the uk there's definitely um, a vibe where people want to bring some kind of like playful theme to their wedding um, events like some of the funniest ones I've seen has been a Hawaiian theme where um, a bride literally told her guests to come in Hawaiian theme so that's straw skirts uh, you know coconut bras <laughs> um, flowery shirts and, and you know the flower garlands and they had inflatable trees up in their reception and it was just such an awesome vibe and because it was 
funny in so many ways. Everybody was having such a laugh on that wedding. Another one was Monopoly themed, like the bride had uh, certain parts of the Monopoly board in her reception decor. So I'm kind of used to brides play being very playful in the UK scene with their themes. It seems like theming at weddings is a pretty big thing and happening both here and abroad. But the interpretation of a themed event differs slightly. Now, from everything we've learned, actually what's happening in India isn't too far away from what we're starting to see here. But let's just hold that thought and discuss this a little later on, because right now it's time to look at Gen Z versus Millennials. This was easily one of the most relatable episodes for most suppliers because they could actually see some of the changes mentioned happening in front of their very own eyes, even though they may not have been consciously aware of it, as you'll go on to hear. The other one that I really did enjoy and has probably made me think a little bit more is your millennials and Gen Z, because at the end of the day, that's the market that's coming in that we need to adapt to and figure out how we can capture their attention. I'm 82, 19, gosh, I'm telling you, I'm really married now. Um, I'm 1982, so I'm considered a millennial. I never thought I was. I thought I was before that, but anyway. Um, and actually hearing, was it Monica Poppy, about the changes from Gen Z and millennial was actually really eye-opening for me because I just, I assumed that millennial and Gen Z kind of cross over quite a bit. And so there's their values and the outcomes that they want in their weddings are all very similar. But actually, after hearing that podcast, it's, it's quite different. And actually, she's bang on the money. She's bang on the money. Um, Gen Z, the clients that I get these days, definitely all about different, unique, one-of-a-kind types of uh, wedding events is what they're after. They definitely are not about branding so much. Um, they're definitely not about big names and influences and stuff like that. They're trying to make it their own. And I thought that was actually quite um, an eye-opener because I kind of, I, I see it, but I didn't uh, engage with it properly before. So that was quite interesting to me. And I have to agree with that. I have to agree with that. Um, brides definitely want unique suppliers. I mean, I know some people like, for example, like an outfit from Sabia Sochi, which is a big brand name. But Gen Z, I found in my experience that they're going for much smaller boutique brands that are just coming out, that are just trending, that have um, only had a few, got only got a few outfits going and they want that one of a kind. And I'm finding a lot of brides are doing that as well. And that's not just in outfits, that's in everything. They seem to be a lot more in control of what they do want for their wedding rather than, okay, parents taking over and doing all all the discussions and everything so um it has been it has been good um and yes I do find that they are open to a lot of different ideas as opposed to what's on trend yes trends are very important for them so I do need to keep up with what's going out in the cake market to know what the wedding cake trends are. However, as I say to most of my clients, this is your wedding day, irrespective of what the trend is today. You've got to do what you feel right and what fits with you. So I do find a lot of them do come and say, yeah, we like to go with that. But they're also very open to my ideas because I have a lot of different ideas than what you see out there. You know, like if you Google wedding cakes or you look into any other sort of um, search engine and you look at um, wedding cakes and you might get kind of like a trend coming through. But then I get some of them will come to me and say, oh, but I like your ideas because they're different. I just want to start by saying if you haven't listened to any of our previous episodes and you're wondering where to start, then definitely choose Gen Z versus Millennials. Trust me, this is the one. 
It's not just full of gold, but it really does help you think about where your business is heading because there's a big market out there and this is a market that you need to tap into. So just going back then to that point about theming, it actually feels like Gen Z are more about that full sensory experience of theming, which we heard about from our friends in India, rather than the standalone Disney or Gatsby themed weddings millennials have been opting for. Gen Z wants something authentic, something different. In fact, just the other week, I was speaking with a wedding stationery designer who told me that she had created invitations with a specific scent because that's what the couple wanted. They wanted their guests to experience the vibe of the wedding before they even got there. So it's worth noting that these small little unique touches are what the next generation will be looking for and the size of their weddings mean they can realistically afford to do so. They tend to want to have smaller numbers, smaller guest numbers. Um, and I, I was noticing that before COVID, you know, as these types of clients would approach me, they'll say, look, we, we want to have a smaller wedding. We want to have smaller numbers. We don't want to be inviting every Tom, Dick and Harry from all walks of life. And what what stood out to me from that podcast is the fact that COVID has actually, if if anything, kind of forced us into that way of thinking. And it's actually, I, I, I appreciate it from a photography point of view, because I noticed that the smaller weddings, uh, for example, I did a wedding uh, in the second lockdown in November where there's only 15 guests, but it's the first time I saw all the parents completely involved. You know, they're not they're not rushing off and greeting people. They're, they're fully involved, engaged in you know, the John arrival, right through the ceremony, all the way to the vid day. Yeah, it just felt more intimate, more energetic, actually. So even though there were less numbers, it just felt there was more energy. Smaller guest lists had already begun before COVID, but it seems like the last year has proven to be a bit more of an accelerant with a lot of people being forced to reduce their numbers. We have a whole episode dedicated to intimate weddings where we caught up with couples who both wanted and chose to have a small wedding alongside those who had no choice but to do the same. There are some really wonderful insights that we got from that particular episode, so do go and take a listen to that one if you haven't done so already. But smaller guest numbers is just one of the many ways in which wedding planning has changed. Many suppliers had to navigate different ways of doing business during lockdown, and so we caught up with our guests to find out what the experience was like for them and whether any of these other changes are actually here to stay. I went from kind of face-to-face consultations at the studio to kind of Zoom consultations. And even there, I kept it very short and sweet, um, only because we had so many coming in at once. And I didn't want to kind of take away time from my my family personal life and spend all my time dealing with inquiries. So I had to be very um, clever the way I thought about what inquiries I take on, which um, which clients I invite to Zoom calls. Um, and which uh, which bookings are right for me, uh, given the circumstances. Zoom calls and video calls. Before the pandemic, I would always get on the phone to my brides, even if it's a DM through Instagram or WhatsApp uh, or an email. I'd always try and source their phone number because I always think it's more personable to have a chat on the phone. I, I feel like you can ask more questions. You get to kind of get a gauge of the personality of you're speaking to. But um, obviously with the pandemic, we've not been able well. I haven't been able to see anybody face to face more so. So having video calls have been a really big change in how I've been talking to clients, um, whether it's new inquiries or talking about trials. 
that going forward is something I'm going to keep hold of because actually it's been it's it's almost one step further than a phone call. It's even more personal because now I get to see your face, you get to see my face, and uh, it's it's actually a really nice interaction to have. You get to like I said, really see the personality that you're speaking to as well. So yeah, Zoom calls, video chats has definitely been added to in this entire time. That's been a big change. Another change has actually been not trialing. Uh, surprisingly, due to the pandemic, I haven't been able to trial anybody as they would usually come to my home, into, into my studio. Um, not being able to see people face to face and do trials means there's been a lot of trust involved between me and clients. A lot of communication going back and forth, whether it's texts, video chats, phone calls. And a lot of these clients nowadays are opting not to do trials. Um, so long as the communication is open, they don't, they're foregoing trials. And I'm, I'm OK with that. <laughs> um, but that's been a really big change, especially in the last two years. And even going forward now, I think moving forward, I actually give clients the option not to trial now if they don't want to. Because one, it saves costs. It, you know, it's a cost to a trial all the time. Saves time, and as, as long as you're open to communication both ways, you don't have to have a trial. Um, I find a lot of MDAs tend to force a trial on people, whereas I don't think you need to now. What I've seen with COVID through this platform and through for other social media outlets and um, platforms is there's been more for community, more sense of community, and less sense of competition. If that makes sense, especially I mean amongst photographers, that competition has gone now. I feel like a lot of photographers are getting together, sharing ideas, sharing concerns and working together because that's the only way through, you know, what, what we've gone through. So I feel like this platform's great. And the podcast that you guys have been doing in the first season, it's given a lot of opportunity for people to share, learn and um, reflect. I think reflect's a good word. That sense of community Mickey touches upon at the end is just beautiful because that is exactly what we're trying to establish here at Now to Vow. We appreciate and value our suppliers. We want to know what makes them tick, what their struggles are, what they need help with, and so on. We want to work together and see our suppliers flourish, which is why we have officially launched our Now to Vow Supplier Club. There's automatic entry into this rather special community, and yes, I know I'm biased, for anyone who is listed on our platform. Our goal is to build a network of quality suppliers who are committed to growth, innovation and customer satisfaction. We want to elevate the standing of these suppliers in the industry and create a space where they can grow and learn, where they can connect with others and a space where they can turn to for advice and support. So if this sounds like your thing, then do come and join our supplier club. I'm also excited to announce that we are eagerly working away on season two of the Business of Weddings podcast, which is going to be even better than the first season, as we're going to do a real deep dive into different areas when it comes to wedding services. Until then, do connect with us over on Instagram at now underscore two underscore vow and give us a shout at suppliers at nowtovow.co.uk if you have any questions. If you haven't signed up yet to our platform, you know what to do. Head over to the website nowtovow.co.uk and of course, I'll catch you soon. This episode was brought to you by Now to Vow. We make it easy for couples to find and book suppliers for their Indian wedding. If you're in the industry, you can list your service on our platform at no cost. Head over to nowtovow.co.uk to get started. The Business of Weddings is a monthly podcast. We preview the episodes on Instagram Live on the third Friday of every month. Follow us at now underscore two underscore vow 
and join the discussion. Subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes before anyone else. And if you've enjoyed listening to it, please leave us a review so we can reach more people.